Welcome back to Younger Older. I'm Dave Wager. I'm in the studio today with Tim Durkee, an old friend, and there's not too much younger older. We're about the same age, so I'm sorry we don't we don't have a whole lot of younger older today. But we are talking to young people who are listening and hoping that we can share some things with them of uh, experience some of the things that we're working on in our lives. I'm in the studios here at Silver Birch Ranch on the campus of the Nicolay Bible Institute. I invite you to check those websites out and see if we can serve you or your family through those ministries. If you didn't listen to the last podcast, I invite you to go back and download that. You can get them from relate365.com if you'd like to do that. And, uh, or you can go to silverbirchranch.org and it's on our, our main page there. I've been talking with Tim. He's a gynecologist and a politician. That's kind of an interesting combination. (laughs) And he's got a doctorate degree in what else? Physiology? And biophysics. In biophysics. Yes. So uh, he's got a couple degrees, and he's also working in politics in Rockford, Illinois. Uh, What do you do in politics? I'm an alderman in the city of Rockford. And and what got you involved in that? I just uh, wanting to be part of a solution rather than whining all the time. Okay. We had we had um, what drew me to uh, being running for alderman in the city of Rockford was a, a couple of things. One was a little bit selfish. Sort of wanted to help create and ev- transition a city to a place where my daughters would want to come back and live and work. Okay. Um, Did it work? No. One of my <laughs> one okay. of my daughters is a Chicago public school teacher. Okay which uh, I'm very proud that she's serving uh, an underserved population yeah. in Chicago. And uh, the others, I don't know. We'll see. She's finishing graduate studies up. She's but, getting her doctorate, so she's yeah. taking dad's path. To well, she's, it's in physical therapy, so a lot, similar line. Okay. But we, um, Rockford was struggling a little bit with uh, development and, and downtown. And we, we, you know, I was just, anxious to see a resurgence there growing up in the chicago area you know i got to witness uh by studying downtown and and uh, going to medical school downtown the you know the rebirth of the near north side under uh jane byrne and some of the stuff that she started and um you know would go down to downtown rockford and just hey why can't that happen here and um so that's why I uh, I ran for public office to see if we can, you know, have some positive change and positive influence. You know, I admire that. There's been a few times where I thought that I should get involved in politics, and I thought I could never get elected. You know, I, I mean, I have a I'm very conservative. I, I believe in the Bible. I I'm not going to say my Christianity doesn't affect me, because I don't think you can be a believer and say that in in the first place. How'd you get elected? You're a Christian, and you act like it. Well, <laughs> most of the time, I think I try to act like yeah. it. I don't know. All but, right, well. but the um, I I never. Um, it's mostly because I don't want to be a career politician. I I it's not that I'm indifferent, but um, when I talk with people or constituents or others, uh, the 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 funny thing is, I you watch some of these guys on TV who double speak, double talk. A great example is President Biden's press secretary. I have, I mean, it's, I don't want to do that. Right. And so when I run for office or people ask me, I just tell them straight, I'm not smart enough to lie. 
Um, I, I'm just not. I can't double talk. You I can't remember what you said last well, time, so I'd they say, don't add and, up. And I don't pander. I'm not going to be something to one crowd and and something to another. I, just, I don't do that. I'm, I guess maybe I'm an unpolitician, but I, I don't. I don't do that. And I, you know, you see it happening. Um, and fortunately um, for us, uh, we I we are with a group of aldermen in Rockford who aren't like that. And, okay. and there's some some pretty uh, I disagree with some of my colleagues over policy and worldviews, um, but we do it civilized. We don't call each other names. And many times after city council, we go out together okay. and talk and discuss. And um, but um, I think that the people I'm with are, are pretty straight shooters uh, across across. The, we call it the horseshoe. It's a, it's a, the horseshoe shaped city council. But. Across them, I, I can't, you know, I don't know that anybody panders. They are who they are. And that's, I guess, the advantage of local politics. Because you, you I don't live in Washington, D.C., so I'm not inaccessible. Anybody can find me. They know where I work. They know where I live. They can always find me. They can talk to me. They can talk to people who know me directly. And uh, Mike, uh, the, the other alderman, and... Uh, um, so uh, I think there's a you know genuineness there at that at local politics that's a little bit more refreshing. Okay. Um, yeah. Now now people Christians that are listening and thinking I I could never get into politics. How did you get in? How do you get into politics? I mean, if I were to think about getting into something to try and help, I, I wouldn't even know how to start. Well, I um I, when I moved to Rockford, I uh, I. I bought a house from uh, State Senator Dave Severson, and um, I just started working. I worked on his campaign, and I handed out some stuff and got to know him and uh, liked it and uh, stayed attentive. And it's it just that's the simple, the simple step. You just find candidates or you find people who are running for public office that you can support. You're not going to agree on everything. And... Um, but you have to pick somebody who, you know, is going to represent you, at least from a core. Right. And so you, you, you pick these, these folks and you work with them. And then um, people know who you are. And, and eventually, yeah, you, you, you pick up, go to the election office, you pick up a petition, have people sign it, and you run. All right. You know, I, I think it's, it's interesting because we can change things in our local areas if we want to. We can change the atmosphere if we go in and we're civil in our discussions when we disagree with somebody. Yeah. I mean, we don't have to put up with what we see, the, the, the hatred and the, all the stuff that's going on in a national scene. We, we can do something local if we want to. And maybe there's some people listening who think they can't, but they probably can. You get involved, <laughs> go talk to guys in the city council of, of your city and, and, and ask them about what they're doing and ask them, about policies and talk to them that they, they would talk to you well you know it's, it's funny there it, it's a it's an interesting question and debate that one of the heroes of faith that i have is a guy named william wilberforce yeah he was a, uh, a member of parliament in england and people may know him because he in his time uh, took on the east india trading company of england which is basically at that time was more or less taking on Google, Microsoft, Apple, all at the same time. 
was just a huge conglomerate. He wanted to end slavery. And he had an old teacher, um, and he was debating. I, there's so much more I can do with my faith elsewhere. There, there, there's other more noble things and being involved in politics, which can be, you know, nasty. And he said, I, I don't want to do this. And his mentor said, no, no, you need to be involved. You, you, we need people of faith involved in politics and making policy who don't sell themselves out, who live out their faith. And um, he, uh, that mentor is John Newton, who wrote wow. Amazing Grace. And so when you look at Wilbur, Wilberforce's life, he stayed in politics. He helped eliminate slavery in England, but he also created the Humane Society, all various forms of uh, moral and ethical organizations to help with uh, his culture. And there are, there are some things in local politics where we look at policy with people's needs like housing uh, and, and such. Where you the cross between there's a cross between politics and your your personal ethic things like that. Some things aren't. I mean, there's not right. a lot of there's not a lot of you know. I guess if you want faith brought to bear on fixing a pothole, right, right, or making sure the garbage is picked up, or um, crime or things like that. Right. I mean, there's universal agreement that crime has to be stopped, potholes have to be fixed, we have to pick up the garbage and plow the street. There is some universal agreement that when people who, with, for no fault of their own, are in trouble, that we as a society has, have gotten together uh, and, you know, part of our government steps in to help people who are in trouble, you know, mostly through no fault of their own. Churches do that, sometimes not enough. Right. Uh, and unfortunately, I think that's why the government took over is because it's a little bit cast a pall on Right. Churches, but there are, you know, churches do do things, but um, the government does have, you know, some more resources that the church does not present. But um, so there are, there are some things along those natures, philosophically and Christ, where Christian principles apply, uh, for instance, helping people. There's a concept called toxic charity. I mean, how much do you give people when they're in need from the government? Are you... Are you becoming, are you, are you burdened? Are you, are you actually creating a problem rather than solving by doling things out to people um, who may not necessarily need them? Some people are in dire straits because they did it themselves. Right. And then, you know, some of those folks you look at, you know, as a, you know, if you take a vote on a project, uh, you, you then think grace. Okay? Right. I was afforded grace. Yeah, these people made a mistake. Do we, as a government, as an engine, do we also say, all right, fine, we can help you out? Yeah. But, you know, then you, you obviously, then you debate how much. I mean, how, how many times you do this? How much do you do? And then do you create a dependency? And I don't think creating a dependency is ethically correct. And I think... That some of the problems with politics, uh, where it comes into that, is is when you create a dependency, then the, the people you're dependent upon, you vote for. Yep. And you vote for the guy who gives you stuff in the easy way out. So there's, 
where some of those philosophical challenges occur because no no believer no christian christ follower wants to see people suffer they don't but then you don't want your kids to suffer but then do you always bail them out you always keep bailing them out when when do you stop now fortunately you know with with god's grace i get bailed out pretty much every day yes so but so you weigh that and you know christ came to us while we were still sinners yeah and died for us so that we could have a position as a child of his and and you got to keep thinking of that whether you're a politician a doctor a mom a dad a school teacher whoever you are you, you mentioned earlier that one of your daughters is a teacher in chicago and again what a great profession to be a part of yeah uh, to be able to be into something where you're you're trying to help a population learn my one of my daughter both my daughters are teachers in different populations one in um, northern Wisconsin or central Wisconsin, one in the Milwaukee area, and both of them different populations uh, that they work with. And it's very interesting to see their love for the kids that they work with. You know, I mean, they, they're they affecting life by being teachers. And, and, yeah. and being teachers, regardless of the salary, regardless of the benefits, regardless of all that stuff, they, they're called to work with that age, that age group in that area and it's fun to watch them do that. So whether you're a doctor like you are, or whether you're a politician, or whether you're a teacher, your other daughter's going into... Physical therapy. Physical therapy. You know, here's the thing I bet for your daughters as they grow older, because this is something I've seen in life so far. You are a, a guy who I've had the privilege of being friends with, like I said, for 50 years or so. And, we, we, you know, we've seen each other through a lot of different things. But the one thing that keeps you keep doing is serving. You keep giving. You keep serving. You're serving in a your your political career. You don't need to do that. I mean, that's not something you're going. I really need to be a politician. This is where I get my significance from. <laughs> you know, I mean that, that that isn't that isn't you. Likewise, your medical practice. I mean, you and I have talked. You, you could leave the medical practice tomorrow. I mean, you could actually. It's not just the medicine that you're there for. It, it's important. The people are, is why you're there. And, 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 and both your, your staff, your, your, the, the clients that come in, that's why you're there. And, and that's how a Christian doctor, politician should live. But now your daughters have watched this. So what are they doing? Serving. It, with teachers and, and getting a doctor degree to serve. My daughters, what did they watch? They watched their grandpa serve. They watched their dad serve. Their mom serve. And what are they doing? They're teachers. The, the funny thing is we homeschool both of our kids, and they're both in schools uh, <laughs> teaching. So I, I don't know. I don't know if you consider that a successful homeschooling or, or a non-successful one. Uh, but one is a, a that social worker in a school, yeah. and the, the other one is actually a teacher, of fourth-grade teacher. And you look at that, and I say to parents today, the most important thing that you can do with your children is model what you believe. You need to model it. You're not going to be perfect, so you model what confession looks like. You model what it looks like to be humble before God when you make a mistake. But you model it. And and really, while Tim is on the, the in the horseshoe or whatever they call your, your place, you know, you get to model Christianity there. And it's God who opens the door for various things. It isn't, you know, you get up every day and you, you go and you do what's right. And when you make a mistake, okay, you deal with it. I think of a guy like Moses. You know, I mean, Moses, he's, he, he should have got killed at birth. It, it, not an abortion, but 
yeah. close to Drown. it. I mean, yeah, yeah just kill them, uh, uh, an afterbirth abortion or whatever you want to call it. And and these bold ladies that ignored the king just basically didn't do it anyway and gave some lousy excuse to the king of why these boys were getting born. And his mom takes them, put them puts them in a river, you know, sister's watching them. Well, you know, what are they doing? They're going, oh, we know the plan. They don't know the plan. They were getting up going, we're not killing this child. We're going to do everything we can to let this child live. And we're going to try and, you know, as dumb as it sounds, let's put them in a basket and put them in a river and have the sister watch. Well, that's what they could do. And, and anyone that's listening to me today, you may not know how God's going to use your obedience, but, but do what's right in your life. Take advantage of the opportunities that God gives you. And, and what happens eventually, Moses gets picked up by Pharaoh's daughter. He, he, for 40 years, he's getting all this great training. And then he does something stupid, kills somebody, and, and in the process, goes off into the desert and watches sheep for 40 years. He's not doing anything for 40 years. Probably feels like a failure, just 40 years, getting up every day. To, and then God comes and speaks to him in a burning bush and says, okay, enough of this. You know, I've had you over there. I've had you over here. Let, let's go get my people out of there. And, and some of the most fantastic things happens in the next 40 years. You know what I mean? It, it's just amazing what God set up. But I'm sure Moses could never look back at it and say, I had a great plan. No, it all looked like an accident. I mean, you should have got killed, you didn't, got thrown in the river. No, just get up every day and do what's right. Get up every day, love God, go to work, represent him well. Look for opportunities, opportunities to be in politics, maybe, opportunities to be a doctor, if that's where God puts you, and, and represent him well in those fields and see what God does to change the heart of the people in our nation. It's not about... You know, I was talking to a, a parent the other day, and they, they asked me what I thought about the, the lack of educational progress that's going on. And they were speaking something very specific. And I said, well, here's what I see, unfortunately, that many parents have abdicated their responsibility to train their own children to the school system, just like they've abdicated their responsibility to be spiritual leaders to the church. They want to hire pastors and hire people to do that job. And and really, parents are now in charge of entertainment. You know, you come home and that's what you do. But you want to learn about God, go to church. You want to learn about math, go to school. It, it's not that we don't want youth pastors or we don't want teachers. It's that the greatest teacher of all is the parent to every child that lives. They're going to see this parent. They're going to see how they live. They're going to see how they act. The parent has the opportunity to model what Christianity, what sanity is, what reality is to those children. Um, and that's important, I think, for any family to understand. And when I look at your lifetime, I, I see a guy who, you know, it, is not perfect, but gets up and, and says, I want to please God. I want to serve. I want to. I want to. So you look for ways. Today, uh, before we did this uh, podcast, I had to go get him because here he is. He's got these doctorate degrees. He's a politician, and he's up here at camp driving ski boat for people, and they wanted to ski a little longer, so he's over giving up his lunch to do it. And then I had to go down and get him to get him up here because he was down there just doing his thing, helping kids learn how to tube behind a boat. And uh, was that as fun as medical practice? It's a, yeah, the... Uh it is. Uh, it, it, what's what's funny is the uh, e even in 
whatever it is, I, I don't know one's more fun than the other. I, I think serving is serving is a paradox. Serving is a paradox. Um, you, you, when you serve, you gain, and right. it's not into, It's not like okay, I'm going to serve people so I get stuff. That's twisted, right? And 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 you won't. Uh, rest assured. But you wake up every day. I guess you you try to say, am I going to make people annoyed, or am I going to try to help somebody out? Uh, am I? You know, am I? I'm looking for, you know, peace with people. And and um, trying to trying to help them or myself serving, and you know it's a hard lesson to learn as we got older. Because I mean, most of us, uh, we have a little tendency to be narcissistic, and we we want and 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 what and we get on Facebook and social media, and we see people doing stuff, having stuff, and we don't have that stuff. And all of a sudden, you look at your life and. What, uh, and, and there's a little, there's some despair, but I think when you start getting involved when in other people's lives, I God is is a great God, and and that I think we are created, we are purposed uh, to help others. So as God has been gracious to us, and we fail, um, we extend that grace and that servanthood to others, and it is a life paradox. If you think of yourself and you invest in just yourself. I don't know. You know, it's it's funny. You can you can invest in the stock market, invest in whatever. You win, you lose. But you invest in somebody else, you win every time. Yeah, you do. You know, I'm I'm looking around this year, and I'm enjoying as I get older. There's some older guys that we we've known as we've grown yeah. up. Um, one was an executive uh, in a, a very successful company, several companies. He's up here just volunteering. You come up and volunteer. There's uh, there's some some other guys that just come out throughout the summer and all they do is come up and work and and here they are they're they're very successful in life and they get as much joy out of driving a ski boat or or putting up siding on a building or raking than they do their their business it you know what I found it, for me it's fun because the the importance of what I do doesn't change no matter what I do. I could be speaking to 5,000 people. I could be doing radio like we're doing now. Or, or I could be helping a, a young child learn to ride a bike. You know, to me, I don't see the difference in importance on any of those factors. All of those are about, God, what do you want me to do to serve? What do you want me to do to give? And, and that's what God made us to do. He made us to serve. He didn't make us... Uh, to go the other way. I, I, I keep picturing um, Jesus in the Last Supper when he washed the disciples' feet. You know, I mean, the, the whole <laughs> that's a strange thing for all of us, but he those tables were low, and those feet were right there. And there's food there, and they got these smelly, dirty, scummy feet right, right there by the food. You know, it, I'm sure Jesus looked around and goes, really? Now, you got all these disciples who have already been arguing about who's the king, you know, who's <laughs> who's the best. And, and nobody's helping do what they should do. Nobody's doing the dirt job. And it's so natural for Jesus to start washing feet. All right, he came to serve. And and then he's trying to teach the disciples. He goes, you guys don't get this, do you? you? It's not about being served. It's about serving. So you can be a, a doctor in Rockford, and you can go into an office, and you can serve. Oh, yeah. 
you know. Pretty I, much anywhere, yeah. Yeah, I was trying to explain it to a, a, there was a young person, they were talking about jobs, and, and I said, you know, I hope you have the freedom one day of not looking at what you get paid, but finding something that God puts you on this planet to do and do it, and you'll get paid something. They go, what do you mean? I said, you know, accidentally, but the way I was raised, you know, my, I just did a lot of work for nothing, you know, as I grew up. This is the way the environment was. My dad believed in that, and we did. My first job, I went and got my first teaching job. I signed the contract. I got, I forget where, and someone was asking, so what do you make? And I said, oh, I forgot to ask. <laughs> I didn't even know what I was making. I just looked at the job. I said, this fits well. I think this is where I want to I teach. I signed the contract, and I don't know what I was going to make. And I went back there, and my first check was a shock to me how much it was. Um, and, and, and I thought, oh, that's fun. They're actually paying me for doing something I enjoy. Yeah. You know, and I thought, this is what God made me to do, and you're going to pay me? Wow, that's kind of cool. I'll be able to get things I'm supposed to. And I realize that's how it works. But if you're, you're, this is your first job ever, and you're not, you know, the rest of my life, you're, you're actually sent to shovel this person's driveway and go cut that person's grass, and they just needed it, so you had to do it, and you didn't get paid for it. You know, and, I, and the rest of the time, I was working up here camping, working for nothing. So it's not like I knew what it was to go make money anyway. But I was so thankful that I had those experiences. And, and I to this day, I look back and that is healthy, not as unhealthy. Because I got to do something and focus on what I was able to do rather than just the money part of it. And, um, and I think when we started the ministry year-round and the guys came up here, that, that was all part of it because there was no money involved in that. So it was like, no, you had to figure out, you quit your jobs, you come up here. And, and again, it was like, oh, we get to go live up there? You know, yeah. it was something we were made to do. And eventually there was a salary that went with it. You know what I mean? Eventually you did get paid. And I wish those that are listening would have the freedom of enjoying how God made them and getting into the service that God wants them to serve no matter where it is. In that way, you could be a missionary in some foreign field. You could be a missionary at home. You could be a doctor, a lawyer, you could be a politician. Uh, you, then you get up every day and you look forward to seeing what God's going to do with you. And and then you get free time and you do things like Tim here, where you come up to a place and say, oh, I'm going to take a week off, I'll go drive a boat and a bunch of high school kids around the lake and put them on inner tubes. And, and, and that's what you do and you find enjoyment out of it. Well, it's certainly different than the enjoyment of helping somebody with a successful surgery or helping somebody get some policy straightened out on a politician level. And you could do that too, but it's it, nothing's different. It's all on the same plane. In other words, it's all service. It's just God's using your talents and abilities in different ways at different, different yeah. times. And here you get to at least have some young people look at you. And I still think that is what's missing so much in the churches today. It's not just about this podcast or lectures or it's about seeing people do things. Yeah, you do get you do get questions occasionally from the high school students. Yeah, they they hear, they talk. Aren't you the doctor? Yeah. Even this morning, why are you here? Yeah. And so it's a it's a great opportunity. Yeah. But um, in a world where um, everybody's focused on self, uh, service is the great is the great paradox. And that is what I want you to think about as we leave you with this podcast younger older i'm dave wager i'm here with tim durkee we're in the studios at silver birch ranch on the campus of the nicolay bible institute 
Thanks for listening.